Good morning, Karen. How are you? And thank you for getting up. Good morning. Good, good. Getting ready to calm before the storm, as it were. <laughs> yep, we would say that. And you're more than ready for it. Before we get into tomorrow and tomorrow night and the tournament starting, what has this past week been like for you? Because you've been out there checking things out all week. Yes. Um, I've been all over the place in, in uh, between Queens and Manhattan. Uh, the U.S. Open qualifying tournament uh, took place this week. It, from uh, 16 spots go to qualifiers in the U.S. Open draw. And um, they've been, I mean, they've been, the qualifying this year was pretty amazing. So many fans turned out to watch it. And people don't realize it's free. So those of you in the New York City area know that the U.S. Open qualies are free. But, uh, yeah, also to a lot of events taking place. Um, I had a chance to talk to Carlos Alcaraz at a Babylon event. Um, uh, talk to Naomi Osaka at the U.S. Open Media Day. All kinds of things. It's it's really a, such a party atmosphere in New York with U.S. Open about to start. I was wondering about that, Karen. Do all five boroughs, or at least Manhattan, um, promote this thing? And are, are there events going on, or is everything sort of concentrated up in Queens for this week's event? Well, no, there are other events in Manhattan. A lot of the, um, I would say, uh, tennis equipment manufacturers or the racket folks, the clothing folks, They'll have little gatherings or photo ops, as I, as I usually call them, in Manhattan. Most of those are in Manhattan. Some are in Queens, too. Uh, Babylon event that I went to was in Queens. Um, but, yeah, I would say pretty much just between Queens and Manhattan in terms of hype. The other boroughs, not so much. Yeah, and I, I know a lot of the, the hotels, are, you know, Manhattan, where a lot of the players stay um, in, in the Manhattan area. Folks who are spending time. Um, WaitForIt.com hotline this morning with Karen Pistana. She is social, and you can find her on Twitter at Tennis News TPN at Tennis News TPN. Uh, throughout this whole week, last week, even though it was the qualifying round, even though they were the warm-up events, the Arthur Ashe kids and everything, the, the 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 figure that hangs over it all, the backdrop of it all, you know, has to be Serena Williams and the Williams sisters. Was thought about that and some yeah. of the things we're saying and some of the gestures uh, that you got a chance to see and, and witness. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Um, one thing that the U.S. Open does um, is that they advertise the player practices. Serena's player practices have been, you know, people have been going to them. They've been they've been crowded when you're able to go see her practice on practice court one or in one of the stadiums and. People are just following her around, and she has put in the practice hours, so many hours each day, at least out there publicly, you know, in Queens. But, um, yeah, people are like, wow, it's the end of an era, end of an era. And, you know, well, we're going to see what happens. And Venus, of course, we don't know when, when she's going to leave. <laughs> I mean, she hasn't made any announcements about anything, so... And at least they're playing doubles together. That'll be fun for fans. Yeah, Venus is like Keenan Thompson from Saturday Night Live. She's just going to keep showing up every year. <laughs> and we don't, we don't know when she's going to go. Karen Pistain of Tennis Panorama joining Sam and Greg, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. As you look at Serena and have watched her this last year or so, whatever barometer you want to use as far as this, this, this back nine of her career, 
Compare her to some of the other all-time greats that you saw exit the stage, and is it comparable? Is she playing better? Is she not playing as good? Where where would you put her compared to? Um, well, right in the last year, she's only played what is it four matches? I think she's one in three in the last twelve months. So you know, I mean, she's had a few little little injuries and whatnot. So it's tough to really talk about uh, her last year since she hasn't really played much. Um, you know, it, it's tough to say. It's tough to compare because also we had this pandemic, and that took a you know big chunk out of things. And it, it's tough for me to compare uh, Serena last couple of years with a pandemic going on and and you know not as many tournaments being played and she not playing that much. So you know it's tough for me to compare this to to anybody else. Yeah. And, and Serena's not like anybody else. We all know. That is so true. Talk about who she's going to face in the first round and and uh, in her area of the draw. Should she be successful in this first round match? Yeah, uh, well, right. Uh, Serena is in the top half of the draw, and she's playing the uh, world, uh, world number 80. And um, unfortunately for Serena, uh, well, she's never, she's never played um, the woman she's going to be playing in the first round. Who is um, from um, uh, who is from uh, Montenegro? Uh, she, if she can get through that match, she'll probably, most likely, have to play the second seed of the tournament and cultivate. So that's a, that's kind of bad news for Serena. She, but she has to take it one match at a time. You know, I mean, I remember so many years ago when she played the Australian Open, coming in ranked at a hundred and forty something in the world that she kind of played her way into the tournament and then eventually won it. But, you know, it's not the same Serena back then as it is now. I want to switch to the men's side for just a second um, because I had to remember who was the defending champion. Medvedev won it last year. And, and having said that, is the story this year who's not there, meaning the number one player in the world, and don't get me started on him, or is it the fact... Oh, well, he's not number one in the world, Medvedev is. Oh, that's right. Okay, so that's even better. <laughs> All right, that's even I know better. Everyone thinks that, but yeah, just think. Last, a year ago, we're looking at Djokovic going for the slam, the true calendar slam, and this year he's not here. Not yeah, there. I'm sure. Yep, but, not there. But because, you, but you know, you, um, yeah, international you know, international visitors to the U.S. have to be vaccinated, and so he can't just pop on in. With, you know, he's, he doesn't want to be vaccinated, so that's that. But I'm sure there are a bunch of players who are relieved that he's not here, to be quite honest. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I was a Karen, I'm sorry. I, my point for getting that out is from what you have seen being on the ground there this week when talking about the men's side, is it about the fact that we could be watching something incredibly special with Nadal going for 23? Yes. This, I mean, that's oh, the, yes. to me is the story. Because we've been we've been oh, living through true. we've been living through jokers you know back and forth with being vaccinated. Okay, well, fine, you got your stance. God bless you. And it happened in Australia and all this sort of stuff. But there is something special going on on the men's side with Nadal, and it shouldn't be slept on. Oh, this is true. This is true. I mean, he's had a little bit of a uh, injury over the summer, but don't discount him. I mean, there's so many people looking at the draw and predicting. Carlos Alcaraz, who is the third seed and everything, but Carlos could play Nadal in the semifinals if if it happens. 
And, um, you know, even though uh, Nadal's coming in maybe a little bit injured or whatnot, don't discount his fight. You know, he's, you know, some people say if any cur- uh, current player is playing, who do you want playing for your life? Well, I'd take Rafael Nadal. So, yeah, don't discount him. He could make, he could win and get to number 23. Wow. Spending time on the wayfor.com outline this morning with Karen Persena, Tennis Panorama News, uh, bringing us up to date with things with the U.S. Open. Okay. Uh, we talked about some favorites, but who else are we watching? I, really, I want to go back to the women's side. You say you spent some time and you, you got a chance to, to, uh, to be in an interview with Naomi Osaka. What do we expect for her for this week? And will this be a great time for her to regain the form that brought her to the top? This is a place that she plays well. Yeah, it is. She had two U.S. Open wins. Her first match, though, is against 19 seed Danielle Collins. So that's the big hurdle to start off with. And that's going to be tough for her. Um, and we don't know. We don't know how positive she is mentally right now. She's. I think uh, yesterday when she was in media, she she you could tell she was kind of like apprehensive. And it's like, wow, you know, I'll go get through this first round type deal. And you're like, uh-oh. But then, hey, she could be relaxed because she's not seated. I mean, she doesn't – well, she always has pressure on her, yes, but she doesn't have the pressure of being a top seed at this point, although she's won four majors. But, you know, we'll see how she plays into this. And I'm sure Daniel Collins is not happy playing her in the first round, a two-time uh, U.S. Open champion. So we'll see if she can play her herself back into the form she we have seen from her. I don't know if this is fair or not, because we got you bouncing back and forth between the men's side and the women's side. So I'm going to finish here. I'm back on the men's side and just get your thoughts on the highest-ranked American, uh, Taylor Fitz, and his, Fritz, excuse me, and his opportunity yep. to uh, to make some noise here. And uh, coming off of Wimbledon, Nick Karios. He, you know, he set the world on oh, fire, yeah. Atlanta on fire here a little few few weeks ago. But well, first, those two let me, names. Let me, let me start off with Taylor Fritz. His first-round opponent is Brandon Holt. Now, Taylor Fritz is the son of former top uh, uh, 20 player Kathy May. Brandon Holt is the son of Tracy Austin, who former number one Hall of Fame. So he's got a battle of two two guys who are playing each other whose mother has played each other back in the day. So that should be a fun match just to see it. Now, Brandon came, Brandon Holt came through the qualifying, but Taylor Fritz really shouldn't have much problem with him. <laughs> but, yeah, Taylor's got a great opportunity. And his serve on these hard courts, oh, anyway. And let me switch back to Nick Kyrgios. Look at you. <laughs> Nick Kyrgios, oh, he's starting off in a crazy way because he's playing, as Australians would say, his best mate, as in uh, – Kokonakis, they're best friends. Mm-hmm. They won the Australian Open doubles title together. Yeah. In fact, I mean, he must have said, "What the heck is going on? I'm playing my best friend in the first round." But he's in the top half of the draw, the Medvedev side, and close to Medvedev up there. So I give Kyrgios, a ch- I give Kyrgios a chance at doing really well. Plus, is a hard court. But with Kyrgios, he's got to keep his concentration. That's the thing with him, not let people distract him and or himself distract himself. Really? <laughs> got a couple of Atlanta guys I want to ask you about, too. I mean, one is an Atlanta guy. One was born here. Uh, Christopher Eubanks, we're very, very proud of him. He played his way through qualifiers into the mm-hmm. main draw. And then Ben Shelton, uh, born here in Atlanta ben because Shelton. his dad uh, played at Georgia Tech. His dad was the women's coach at uh, Georgia Tech. Brian Shelton played on the tour. 
And uh, he decided that he is going to go pro and forego for the rest of his college playing time at the University of Florida. He got his first ATP win here in Atlanta, and he looks like he's so ready for the moment. Oh, yes, he, he surely is. And um, I don't know if you guys know this, but he signed with uh, Team 8 as an agent, and that's Federer's uh, uh, agent. <laughs> so okay, all right. I guess he's in good hands with that. But, yeah, he's been all over the grounds this this past week. He's a big kid, I'll yeah. tell you that. Mm-hmm. See, watching him up close and um, – Oh yeah, and uh, and oh, I, I forgot who you mentioned the other, the other U.S. Oh. player. Oh, oh yes, uh, Chris Eubanks. Eubanks. Chris mm-hmm. Eubanks. Let me tell you, uh, during the week of qualies this past week, there were so many people out on court uh, cheering for him and encouraging him, and he was totally into it. Um, but yeah, he, he's very enthusiastic. We'll see how he does. Yeah, can't wait. We're jealous. You get to hang out there all week. We're just jealous. We, we, we're just jealous. We always are. Listen, you, you guys come up to the U.S. Open one year. Uh, Do your show from there. Sam, <laughs> Sam's been up there on the Monday. I don't know about hanging out there and jumping on the subway every day, but I got to do it once. It's on that, it's on that bucket list. We're going to check back in with you next week, uh, halfway through this tournament, and get an update on whatever stories are going on there. Karen Pastana, Tennis Panorama, as always, we can't thank you enough for getting up this morning and joining us. As always, say hello to your husband for us, or at least for me. <laughs> He's out fishing, actually, but anyway. <laughs> oh, man, he's up early. Okay, well, yeah, that's what all right. he's been doing. All right. All right. Uh, anyway, Karen, thank you.